1: And coming to you from Atlanta, Georgia, I am Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today for Wednesday, August 28th. Many thanks again to Transitive, co-CEO Christian Pillett, for a most insightful interview last week about the world of big data, machine learning, and conversational marketing. It's an episode that you don't want to miss, so if you haven't downloaded it yet, be sure that you do. This week, we'll be joined by Young Rembrandt's founder and CEO, Betty Fetter a longtime friend, and actually, once upon a time, a personal lifesaver. Maybe we'll get her to recount that story, too, as we get underway with the interview. That's coming up in just a few minutes. First, though, and as always, we kick things off with this week's franchise birthday. So, happy birthday to Fabio Skakamara, John Barber, Jeremy Kwiaturski, Jackie Johnson-Adams, Jessica Hatcher-Scantlin, Tim Mady, Larry Meyer, Nick Neonakis, Mark Siebert, Randy Zickerfoos, Chris Prasifka, Doug Smith, Ken Caldwell, Paul Wolbert, George Zagrafus, Steve Cout, Liz Valerio, Lois Coker, Kimberly Thompson, Jeff Dagenbaugh, Jim Towner, Scott Frith, Daniel Green, Rosemary Paris, and Chris Brown. My goodness, that is a long list this week. If we count back nine months, I wonder what it was in the franchise water that was causing so many birthdays to happen this time of year. We're going to take a quick break and ponder that and we'll come back and we'll have our weekly conversation this week with my good friend Betty Farah. We'll be right back.
0: Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our
1: sponsors. This portion of Franchise Today is brought to you by Zoracle, providers of spot-on profiles, the gold standard of assessment tools that assure you're selecting the right franchisees every time. Unlike disc or others that simply gauge personality or communication styles, Zorical's spot-on assessments are all franchise-specific and based upon seven sciences that nail the results each and every time. Your prospects simply answer a few questions online, and like magic, Zorical's algorithms scientifically slice, dice, and analyze their thresholds for risk, their business acumen, and even their propensity for single or multi-unit ownership. Zorical's spot-on analysis is like having a crystal ball. But there's no hoodoo here. It's all based upon science that flawlessly determines franchisee, franchisor compatibility, and accurately predicts performance. Why don't you schedule a demo today and take a complimentary look and see for yourself it's the closest thing to a sure thing. Zorical. Spot on assessments based on science but delivering results that seem simply magical. Check them out at www.zoricalprofiles.com. And thank you, Rebecca Monet, for all that you do at Zoracle. Today we're going to be talking with somebody else who brings magic to the world of young children's education in the arts. Betty Fetter is the founder and CEO of Young Rembrandts. She's the author of Being Visual, and Betty's life's work has focused on the importance of creative arts and visual learning for children. Betty actually took her true love for children, art, teaching, and creativity from a a $35-a-week part-time job and hobby into a multimillion-dollar international franchise business. Today, she's going to share with us how she went from one employee to becoming the founder, CEO, and franchisor of a 100-unit franchise system located in 28 states and countries around the world that include South Korea, Germany, and the Middle East. Betty's core competencies include more than 25 years of teaching and working with youth, developing and promoting best business and educational practices for teachers and businesses alike, and she is a strong believer and proponent for practicing and encouraging healthy work-life balance. That means Betty believes that moms and professionals can truly have it all, a rewarding career as well as a full family life and staying in front of whatever the future brings. Welcome, Betty Fetter, my friend, to Franchise Today.
2: Thank you, Stan. What a great intro. I feel wonderful about myself.
1: (laughs) 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 Well, as well you should. You bring a lot of joy to the lives of many, and not just the kids, but their parents as well. Betty, I start every week with the same question, but before I do ask that, I made a little quip at the beginning about you being a lifesaver. (laughs) <laughs> I don't kind of, I don't remember what year it was. I think it was the year I was going to go on stage to get my CFE.
2: Yeah, you were headed to the stage and in need of emergency attention.
1: There was one of the big parties at one of the IFA conventions, and two or three of us got hurt at that party. I don't want to call out the name of the law firm that was hosting, but... <laughs> But a couple of us got hurt. In fact, one of the people that got hurt had, had to have surgery that night, actually got much more injured than I did. But my face showed some scratches and some bruises. And the next day, I'm going to stand on the stage and be one of the proud recipients of my CFE honors. And along comes my friend, Betty Fetter, who, if she wasn't doing classroom art with kids at Young Rembrandts, could be doing makeup art.
2: Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> for any TV network, because she came along and patched me up prettier. Yeah. So,
2: no, it was great. It was very handy that we had, had the makeup with me, and that you trusted me to uh, to apply it. And I think we did a great job.
1: Well, you you could have done a little bit more on the pretty side, but you did <laughs> the, on the functional side. You got the job done, Betty, and I thank yes. you for that. Forever. so let's, That
2: was so fun.
1: Let's start the way I always do. And that is by suggesting that franchising, unless you're Melanie Bergeron or Dina Owens or somebody with a, a Dwyer behind, you know, second generation of franchising, franchising is not something we intend to get into. We don't do it with purpose. It's some event in life that kind of helps it find us. So I'm curious, and so is the audience for how that happened for you and when that was and how the the world of Betty Fetter, the teacher and the part-time artist and lover of arts and franchising all found one another.
2: I just was doing teaching some part-time, some kids part-time, and I had really no plan to even do that. I had a friend of mine who had asked me to teach her young children how to draw. And having an art degree and doing art, she knew, you know, I was qualified and I was an educator, so I didn't want to, but I finally agreed to. And thank goodness I did. She was very persuasive. So I really just started um, by doing a friend a favor, had eight kids around my kitchen table and was teaching a once a week drawing class. So $35 because, you know, my kid was there, but she was free. So $35 I made and I did this every week and it just grew and grew. And somebody else asked me if I would teach preschool classes, you know, in terms of, how to draw preschoolers. Now, for most people, I would think that it sounds like the most terrifying thing on the planet, (laughs) but I loved it because I love being with a bunch of preschoolers. I think I have four kids. I had a preschool at home at the time, but I taught these pre... But it wasn't just like do cutting and pasting with preschoolers. It was really like sit down a group of preschoolers and teach them how to use a pencil and draw a recognizable picture color it beautifully. I mean, you'd be stunned at what our kids do. But anyway, I was just, I think I was really developing our product and developing the kind of the whole proprietary, what's now the proprietary information. But early on, my husband in his twenties worked for McDonald's. So he was a store manager, this is much younger than this, but, but he was a store manager. In his twenties, and so he also ended up training their franchisees because his stores were near Hamburger U. So, in the back of his mind or my mind, he we had just had franchise experience, but even then, you know, you think franchising is all McDonald's, you know, food mm-hmm. stores, but that's really where that seed was planted or that experience with franchising. But my husband and I, you know, grew the locally. We had our business, the Young Rep brand. So it was Betty's Art Class. And Eventually, it was Young Rembrandts, but we kept it as just a family-owned business for 13 years in the Chicago suburbs. We had, you know, thousands of kids every week. And after 13 years, then we decided to expand, and we expanded with franchising because of what we knew about it.
1: So, what year would you start in? The 13-year clock started ticking. What year? Uh,
2: 1988.
1: So, from 88 to
2: 2001
1: all company owned and single unit just yes. one one location yes. so the franchise bug how did you approach that and what did you do other than your husband's McDonald's experience do you recall how you went about doing research yeah. on franchising
2: we found a consultant and he really helped us work through what are the kinds of things that you need to think about to become a franchise. Everything. There's so many decisions to make in franchising as you're deciding how you're setting up your business model. So he really helped us walk through what kind of decisions we needed to make about that. And then we had to, you know, look at how to, he, he helped us do our first franchise agreement and our first, all these documents. And I have to say the first time he did it with his lawyer, they gave us back our FDD. I had no clue what business we were in or what it said. I couldn't understand it at all. I literally gave it to the first three franchisees going, ah, you know, in here, there's something about this, and there's something about this, but I couldn't understand it. So, about a year or two into that, we switched to a different attorney. And I just want to encourage anybody find the attorney that speaks your language and that you're really comfortable with. Mm-hmm. So we found a wonderful attorney. We still use her now, 19 years later, but we found an attorney in our area that we just worked really well with. She rewrote our entire franchise agreement and I opened it right away and I just said, oh my God, I get it. I get what business I'm in. Okay. I like this franchise agreement.
1: That's a bit of sage advice right there because I'm certain the first attorney, had the credential, but it's kind oh, of like absolutely. But it's kind of like a doctor, and you know, somebody's bedside manner might not hit you the same way as someone else's would. And that's and
2: I and his background was a lot more in the I kind of feel like he worked for a Burger King. You know, those kind of huge mm-hmm. um franchise organizations. And it was just a different model than ours was and just kind of overcomplexified things, which you might need to do if you're McDonald's or you know Burger King or whatever. But this gal was just perfect for us.
1: So, how did it all start? And you said you had a name change along the way. When what was the name before you became Young Rembrandt? It was very clever.
2: It was Betty's art class.
1: And did that change before you began franchising, or was that part? Oh yeah,
2: no. So I was just Betty's art class. Stan, I had absolutely no intention of having a business. I had no interest in business. I have no interest in, I would never have thought I'm going to grow up and start a franchise company. I was a mom to four young kids and I thought that was going to be great. And I'm going to do a little art on the side. This all just kind of came from my life experience and it kind of just flowed together and led me. And at a certain point I said, oh, I'm on something. I think God's leading me down a path here. So then I became very intentional about developing a business and developing my business plan and, you know, writing up manuals and writing up curriculum and just really forming a business. But again, it was sort of an accidental. It wasn't really, you know, it wasn't my life goal, but it became my life goal.
1: So, to walk us through the brand itself and the experience that the kids have, and how how does that look? Is it an after school program, or is yeah. is it in a studio?
2: Well, what's what's wonderful about our model, you know. I built it so much based on what I needed as a working mom and my husband too, you know, as a, or as, as a dad who wanted to work. So ours is that it's a home-based. And so our franchisees work out of their house. They make, they sell, make arrangements with different schools or park districts, daycare centers, rec centers to host classes at their location. So when they can host a class at this other location, then they, you know, they just line them all up, all the different locations. And at the same time, they're hiring staff. So they're hiring part-time teachers and then they coordinate what teachers going to what school and, you know, all the classes. And a franchisee can have as many as, you know, in the beginning, they might end up with 200 students. We have franchisees that are teaching 1,500 to 1,800 children a week. It's a lot of classes. You know, they might have 90 to 100 classes a week running. Takes a little while to build to that number. But we, as the home office, we provide the teacher training and we provide all the curriculum. That is a huge piece. And of course, as a franchisor, we provide the marketing information and the marketing tools and technology and all the systems that they use, finance, everything, you know, business in a box from the sure. franchisor.
1: We're going to come back to the franchisor side in a little while. I want to get a picture first, though, of the experience that the kids are having and what that looks like. And for a franchisee to be running classes for that many students, that's a pretty large organization. So you're saying it takes some time. Not everybody does that. But what is it, the experience for the children, what, what is it that makes parents look at this program and say it? Out of all the things I can have my kids do, this is it.
2: Mm. We have such loyal customers and loyal parents because they love it when they're in it. In the world, I would say, art is kind of something that's a very sidelined subject. You know, we all want STEAM, like that's what it's all about, but or the education thinks that's what it's all about. And the arts have really been minimalized in school. So, we are specifically focused on teaching children how to draw. That, again, is something that's just not taught in school. And even if you're lucky enough to get an art class once a week for 30 minutes is about tops, that art teacher has to show you painting and stamping and string art and just paper mache It's wonderful what they can do, but They don't have time to teach kids, you know, how to draw the way we can. So we're a great partner with the art teacher. So it's kind of like we're teaching kids reading and writing, like in the arts, and then they're going to be able to do all kinds of other art and stay engaged in that field. And when, as they're doing that, these are kids that just, they like art. They love it, but they don't get enough of it. So they can come to us Once a week after school and they get an hour long class and we're going to show them something different to draw every week when they come. But it's, you know, could be the Mona Lisa. It could be just, you know, a fun dog and, you know, kind of a graphics. And we do all kinds of different art and art history. It's just gorgeous what our kids do. But once a week they come so excited that they're going to learn another piece of what they love the most,
1: which is art. What about ages? Are there classes based on age or are these kids that are all from A to Z in terms of their their age?
2: You're right. That's a big piece. We have preschool classes, so three and a half to five-year-olds. And then we also teach elementary kids, so six-year-olds to 12-year-olds, which is great because it's really the daycare group
1: and Mm -hmm. the elementary school group. Is is it just elementary school for elementary kids or when your franchisees are securing locations or sites, they can teach any level at that location?
2: Yeah, it really depends on the location. For the most part, if your kid's in daycare, they can have the class right there. And then your elementary kid had it right after school at his school. So at the end of the day, you pick them up and everybody had their class today. But in some areas, it might be in a park district. So you might pick them up from school and take them to a park district. And then every, you know, there's a preschool class, there's an elementary class, there's a cartoon class, you know. And in summer, we do all kinds of really fun workshops. And Ways to keep the kids very busy doing art for extended
1: periods of time. So you just kind of took my next question away from me. You got ahead of me. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask, is this year-round or does this work, you know, restrictive to the school year?
2: Oh, we find lots to do in the summer because parents are really needing their kids to have some activities in the summer. So we get pretty busy in the summer. Not as busy as the school year, but We do a lot in the summer at different locations. When the schools are closed, we go to other locations or summer camps and become part of someone else's camp. Or at a location, we may just teach the kids, you know, five days a week for the afternoon at a different location.
1: So this is coming around to 20 years now, Betty, right? Eight, 18 or 19 years as a franchisor and a little bit of time before you got. Yeah, the-
2: almost 30 years total. Or I'm past 30 years, I think. Yeah, last year was our 30 year anniversary.
1: So you've seen an awful lot of brands and concepts that even kid-centric or otherwise come and go, what do you attribute the magic and the staying power of a brand like yours after all these years? Again, the competitive set and maybe not all art, but I mean, there's there are so many things out there for kids from right now, you know, coding camps and soccer camps and all kinds of educational programs for children. But you seem to have a lot of sticky with young Rembrandts.
2: Mm, I like that. We have a lot of sticky. Um, I think that the the what was so important is that we stayed really true to who we are and what our model was. And as other programs came up, we didn't try to run around and start competing with them or worry about them. We just made sure that we hungered down and that we were absolutely the best at what we do. And we know our brand, we know our kids, we we have a huge commitment to the internal workings of our home office. And as a franchisor, like all those systems are the best they can be from our marketing, from our social media, from what we provide. But we just made sure that we knew who we were and stayed true to who we were and just kept polishing that. And yes, we've seen uh, a lot of brands come and go, especially in that kids' space and we're not really competing so much there's a there were there were a couple of other art programs that have come and gone but we really are competing for the kids time there's only so much time in the after school hours and we've been really proud of how we really have become an important um we fill it that niche and our customers stay and are really happy with us
1: And so when you look at the profile, we're going to start talking a little bit about the franchise in just a minute. But if you looked at the profile of a young Rembrandt's family, who is your customer? Is it the soccer mom kind of parent that is making these decisions about what their children are going to do?
2: Yeah, I would say we have we consider that we have two customers and one is the host site. Like we really have to have that school or park district whatever give us permission to be in their school and we want to keep that relationship. And then at the same time, we have a relationship with a parent that that's our customer also. And yes, it is the mom who's looking for enrichment or the dad looking for enrichment activities and educational opportunities for their kids.
1: And who's actually teaching the classes? Is the franchisee the teacher or is the franchisee running the business and recruiting teachers?
2: They are running the business. So we like a franchisee who has some teaching awareness or experience just that they might it might help them identify and train their teachers. But that's not our main requisite. Our main thing is that we have franchisees who know how to hire and who would know how to build a team and really enjoy that part of training and build, you know, using the tools we give and enjoy building their own team. But that they also, it's very much more important that they know how to run a business effectively and make those kinds of business decisions more than teaching. So we really look for people. A lot of our people come out of the corporate world and they're just ready for this at home, kind of a business, a little more life balance, work-life balance.
1: You know, this kind of reminds me of conversations that I've had with Frank Milner, uh, president of Tudor Doctor. And, oh, yeah. And some people that are in the elder care like Bright Star business. One might not think that there's a great deal in common between a young Rembrandt, a Tudor Doctor, and maybe a 24-7 Bright Star. But it really is that you're all in the same business. You're in the staffing business, aren't you?
2: Yes, very concisely said. Yes, that is what we're doing.
1: <laughs> so somebody coming out of corporate that has business experience, I suppose, or an accounting background might be the perfect kind of person to to take on this yeah. business.
2: We have a lot of people who are maybe like a project managers. We even, you know, we even have engineers who you wouldn't think of for this kind of work, but it's more that they were the manager in the engineering department, but it's more people who have had experience in corporate leading teams, organizing projects, that kind of experience and that kind of interest.
1: Well, we're going to talk a little bit more or a whole lot more about that along with who it is that already has this franchise, how you go about finding more franchisees and what a day in the life of a franchisee looks like. But first we're going to take another quick break and we'll be franchise right back. Franchise Today
0: will be right back. But
1: first a word from our sponsor. Franchise Today is produced and presented each week by FRM Solutions, providing best in class CRM and document management software designed specifically for franchising. FRM enables real-time business intelligence, communication, and collaboration between all members of the Franchisor's team and their prospective and existing franchisees. This empowers your team to simply and seamlessly track, access, and manage all communication to and from prospective and existing franchisees, including texts. Legal and compliance is simplified too, with FRM's document management, and even site visits can be digitally facilitated and scored using FRM. Make today the day you give FRM a look and assure that all of your candidate and franchisee correspondence, including texts, are being permanently tracked and archived in candidate and franchisee records. FRM even provides state-of-the-art digital experiences for your prospective franchisees, replacing old-style virtual brochures. There are no long-term contracts required. Multiple upgrades are offered each year at no additional cost. No excuses, just solutions on the web at frmsolutions.com. And thank you, Betty, for indulging my need to pay the bills. So, <laughs> 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 and so let's talk about your franchisees and what a day in the life of a franchisee might look like if they were wearing the young Rembrandt's logo on their shirt.
2: I have to say, I love my franchisees. You know, when we get together for our yearly conference, it is like a love fest. And I think we, you know, our business is so from the heart. You know, it's such a combination. The people that do this have such a passion for education or for kids. And, you know, they may have come out of, you know, whatever they came out of in corporate. And that's great. You can love your job at corporate. But when they choose to do young Rembrandts, there's something called to them. You know, maybe they did art as a kid and they got really shut down. So they want, When they hear about this, they go, oh, my God, I want to get I want to do that because, you know, that really affected me when I didn't have that. Or they have they just love the arts or they just want to give to their community. So the kind of franchisees that we attract are just they're just passionate affection. You know, they want to give to their community, they want to give to their world. They want business to be about more than Um, what did I make and what did I report? You know, they just, there's got to be some heart. They've got to be something else in there, but there better be the right kinds of numbers or you don't stay in business. So it is possible to own a business that you love and you're really passionate about and make a really good income. So, you know, we want, there's a balance and you have to have both. So we're excited. We love our franchisees in that way.
1: I call those purpose-driven professionals. They uh, they trade in more. Ooh, co- I like that. They they trade in more than one currency, right? So there's yes, there is as you say. The unit economics have to be there, and and the ability to pay their bills has to be there. But they yes. are but they are driven by a purpose that goes beyond cash. So they've got to satisfy the chicken soup for the soul kind of portion of their heart space, I guess. But I want to know yeah, absolutely what does a day look like in their lives? What are they doing?
2: Okay, well, right now, as school is starting to open, they're all a bit in a scramble, though. So, they're what they do is they hire staff and they they look for staff. And when they hire them, then they go through training. And at the same time, they're in contact with their accounts where they're going to be hosting all their classes this school year. And they're sending out, you know, they're taking flyers to the school. They're going to market to the kids in that school. And then as the kids start signing up, they're going to have attendance sheets and rosters and get those to schools. And it's really, they do a lot of relationship, relationship with their accounts that they currently have. And then they're always looking and selling to more accounts and relationships with their staff that they have and the staff that they're continuing to add. And so it's really, it's a people business. And this you know, get more sales, get more staff, get more sales, get more staff. And we always say more kids, more art, more impact in the world for the arts. So that's, you know, they're just real again relationships, relationships and building teams and building their business. So
1: they really don't have a very large staff, do they? I mean the franchisee probably does most of the administrative and the office and the relationship work themselves. But-
2: well what's well what's nice about our model is they can add a lot of support staff, but we're not adding people like at full time salaries. So they might have a teacher trainer who's part-time, and they could have help with their admins. Some of our franchisees have a couple of admins for help. They may have someone else who's doing their finances or all the paperwork, their book work. And so our franchisees can have some pretty healthy support staff, but they're all um, more part-time and flexible the way our model works in terms of this home-based thing.
1: I want you to spend a minute, Betty because you you kind of I don't want to just gloss over this you made a very very important point about how happy and satisfied your franchisees are that when you get together for your conferences that it's it's not a forced event it's an event that everybody seems to anticipate and look forward to seeing one another So culturally, I think there are some nuggets available here for you to share with our audience about how the secret sauce to your brand goes well beyond just the art and it goes beyond uh, just just core service or competencies of children and artwork, but there's got to be more to the cultural side of your business. And I'd like you to spend a little time talking about how focused you are on that.
2: You know, we years ago wrote down what is our core values. And just as an, you know, our core values are like respect, passion. A lot of companies get to have passion as one of their core values. But one of our other core values is communication with understanding. So that's kind of a reflection of like when we're working with kids, it's not just the the style of the way we teach. It's not just here it is, get it or don't get it, not really my thing. I'm just here to deliver the, you know, math assignment or you know whatever. We really teach in a way that we are absolutely going to make sure every child in the classroom is going to be successful and is going to work to their best level. Well, since we are kind of at heart teachers and um, empowers, we do the same thing with our franchisees. So we're not just going to throw out, you know, here's your new software or here's something new that has to happen. We make sure, like we're going to communicate to our franchisees what's up, but then we're going to make sure they get it. You know, do uh, you've never seen people make more webinars, podcasts, uh, I mean, um, PowerPoints training calls, whatever we can do that our franchisees have everything they need to be successful. So I think it's the way that we nurture and teach. And I mean, like, it's not to the point of like, we're going to do your business for you. The franchisees have some work to do, but we are such partners with them And the communication with them is just, I I think any survey shows too, like our franchisees are so happy in terms of the amount of support and communication and the way, you know, we really honor our franchisees. And we talk about this culture of honor. That's a book I like. And it's a wonderful book about really focusing on who people are and bringing up the best in them as well as bringing out the best in yourself so that the best always comes to the table together. And we really honor who our franchisees are so that this they'll be the most successful in what they're
1: doing. How do you go about assuring that? What's your process for selection look like in terms of knowing that you're you're kind of getting that mindset of shared vision, values, and ethics, not only communicated, but accepted and, and that they're going to protect your brand?
2: I think when they come to discover, well, all through that discovery process, we're getting that sense of who they are. And, you know, if there's someone who like, I just want a churn and burn, a couple of investments for franchising and I'm going to be mindless about it, we don't want them in our system. And we've turned people down that, you know, kind of were like, eh, yeah, it's okay. Or I'm going to buy this for my wife to do. Well, no, your wife is the one that needs to go through this process with us. And so, you know, in that discovery um, cycle, we weed out a lot of people that way. And then when they get here for discovery day you know, we have the whole team, the leadership team that's meeting with them and spending time with them during the day. But we kind of pause about two in the afternoon, three in the afternoon and kind of pull the leadership team together and say, what do you think? And so it's really, um, we're really looking for our internal staff to give their opinion on how do they feel like this person lines up with our system and our values. And so that's kind of where we make that decision that we're going to offer it to them or we're going to say no.
1: I think something I take away from the way you've run your business is that less is more. And you're at 100 units, which is respectable. That's a threshold. That's a major mile marker for many brands, you know, consider themselves to have arrived at 100 you have growth plans, but that's not your primary focus. So share with the audience the importance of keeping your eye on the right ball and what what would you define that right ball to be?
2: Well, I'd have to say for us, like we've been kind of hovering around that 100 for a few years now. So I internally am like, come on, we're going to break that 100 mark because I, we'll, I think we'll top out at 200. But I think in the meantime, as we're going towards that, our focus is really on like unit economics and units just really growing and blossoming themselves. It's not all about just get another franchisee in there. You don't want half your system to be there and they're all at their minimums. We take our time to grow, and that kind of is the wrong phrase, but we have plenty to look at in really helping those franchisees. Can those franch- can franchisees double their business? Can they grow 20% this year? You know, what can we do to help them expand as we go to add more units?
1: So it's a culture of, and I think you said it earlier too, when we were talking somewhat about the competitive set and how things have come and gone. You really have your eye on the ball of those things that you have in your purview, the things that you can control, the things that you can do and not be reactive to every new shiny thing that may show up on the horizon, but staying true to your brand and and making certain that your franchisees have all of the best tools available to them. How do you uh, how do you see the changes that technology has brought to your business impacting, and even art itself? I mean, everything has gone so digital, and everything that we do has that caused major changes in your world.
2: You know, I well, I love. Yeah, you know, sometimes I joke like, "Do you remember the days before internet when we had such and such?" And it makes me feel so old, but. It really wasn't that long ago. So I'm really blessed at one, my uh, daughter, I have four kids. One of my daughters got out of school. Um, she She graduated from Purdue and came to work part time While she was looking for, you know, her career, her job, she was in marketing and she started doing our marketing and oh my gosh, she's now the head of our marketing. And I can't, you know, the, what she's brought to us in terms of email marketing, social media, you have to have a younger generation part as part of your organization in terms of embracing what is possible in this new age of digital everything. So she was a huge part of us really adopting that, expanding it. You know, we do a lot of work with our franchisees that they have a Facebook page. It's not just like, oh, whatever. This is what you're going to do with your Facebook page. And we monitor and We coach them and we help them because it's a tremendous marketing tool. And the same thing with email marketing, those kinds of things. So again, that's another example of where we're really in it with our franchisees to leverage these kinds of tools that are available now because oh my gosh it's like pennies to market compared to what it was or what it could be and you get to see the results of everything so for all the systems we've put in place i just really appreciate my team who's on the the cutting edge or wants to keep it up because you know, kids are kids, and while we really hone the teaching and the training material for the classroom, and we're always expanding that, you got to be on the front end of what's possible technology-wise. As I was saying, the social media or the email marketing, whatever's right for your brand, but you've got to have both. And so I'm really proud of how we've really kept to be the front of the curve on those kinds of things, especially for a system our size. And at the same time, staying really true to the art in the classroom and our and our kids.
1: What about with the kids themselves? Are you teaching how to draw digitally or is it still paper, pencil or paint and brush? You know
2: what? Kids give enough time in their life to touch something digital. They do not have enough time to touch a real pencil and real paper. So... I think of it as I want to cause kind of a renaissance in the arts, you know, like put down your tablets and think of something else to do. And I'm going to show you how to draw so that when you do put down your tablet, you've got a whole world open to you and way to entertain yourself and to communicate and, and maybe lead into a job that requires that kind of experience. Or, and you know what, it's not really we don't do art because kids are going to grow up to be professional artists. It's more that as you mentioned in the beginning, I wrote a book and it's this the right side of the brain, and it's about tapping into their inner creativity and the way they communicate and kind of how they see the world and kind of helping them develop that part of themselves. So everybody can learn to draw and, everybody can have it expand their horizons and their opportunities, not just in doing art, but it just really opens them up in so many
1: other ways. Betty, at the beginning of the podcast, we talked to you about work-life balance and you're actually a work-life balance coach, aren't you?
2: No, I'm not a coach except for our franchisees and our system. But no, I'm, I, thought- I don't get that I don't get that kind of
1: credit. I thought you did work in that space. Why don't you tell us, though, how important that is and how you maintain that in your own life and try to convey that to your franchisees as well? Well,
2: for me, I again, having four kids, I and I had four young kids at the time that I started this and I started it because my heart was for my kids first. Like I wanted them to have a really healthy upbringing where. I was very present and it, we were so fortunate that we were... So I was doing the business for several years on my own and my husband was doing corporate sales. And at one point he said to me, you know, I think, you know, what I want to do next is I want to work for young Rembrandt. And I thought, oh my God, he's lost his mind. You know, I, I'm i working with preschoolers and four-year-olds and he loves our kids, but... <laughs> I kind of didn't see where he was going to fit into this, but he was great about having a vision for what else we could do to expand the business beyond, you know, so basically I was developing our product and our processes and he was having this great vision for where it could go. But he was lovely and is lovely because when he came into the business, we had to grow it again to be able for him to leave his full-time job so that he could, you know, come to work for Young Brands and Branson. Together, we could grow it. But that left both of our parents, our kids had both parents. Flexible and around. So, you know, there's a play at school at 10 o'clock in the morning. We could run over there and see it, or my husband could coach the soccer team or, you know, the um, hockey team, whatever it was. But overall, then when my husband came into the business, he really honored that I was the one that started it. It was my dream, it was my baby. And he was very supportive in like sales and those other roles but always leaving the vision of the business to me.
1: Great stuff. And I'm I'm hoping that emerging franchisors are are listening and taking notes on this because there's more to the secret to success and sustenance, putting the word sustainable in front of growth is more than just collecting checks from new franchisees. It's building on a foundation of trust, respect and dignity in your business that, that has to be internal with your own team as well as with your franchisees and then out to their consumers, their customers. And I hear just an abundance in on all three legs of that stool and everything that you speak to, Betty. So let's talk about development now that you're at that hundred and hovering and talking about maybe popping the clutch and hitting the gas a little bit harder. You're already in international markets and you're in 28 states. So how do you see the path forward for future development and what's your focus look like?
2: Um, we are focused on more units in Canada and the U.S. and We've actually, so we work with some brokers and we also, we've been doing a little bit more in terms of using our social media connections or email marketing with an existing, our databases from existing territories, things like that. And we've been getting some really interesting results from that. So kind of looking for some less traditional ways to go about finding those candidates our, we have had, we've been doing a lot of resales. And at first when we had a resale, I was devastated. I took it so personally because it was sort of like, you're breaking up with us? you want to leave? And then I thought, well, you know, I guess they can. I've been doing this 30 years, but doesn't mean they have to. So it was wonderful to see that when they did transition their business, they ended up making a very healthy um, profit off of a very small initial investment. And so that was a real bonus to recognize that happens. And And then it kind of breathed new life into the territory. So as much as we are looking to develop our exist the territories that are still undeveloped, we put a lot of focus on those franchisees that are ready to transition and bringing new franchisees into those existing territories.
1: And I think we should just reemphasize that resales, when you're a 20-year-old or 20 years into franchising, that's just a natural progression. It's part of life that franchisors are going to, or franchisees are going to have, in many cases, renewed multiple times. How long was your agreement's initial term?
2: (laughs) Our agreement is 10 years and we do have some franchisees who definitely have re-upped and it's wonderful. And, but yes, in over all this time for 19 years, some people are going to come in and out of your system and that's, it's healthy and it's. I
1: agree with you. I totally agree with you. So, focus wise, single units. How do the franchisees get their territories? What does what do those look like, and how do you put them through the process of starting smaller and then growing? Or do they do they just stay with their existing initial territories? How does that work?
2: You know, we have um, we only have about ten franchisees who own are multiple unit owners. Ours is such a hands-on business that it doesn't it's, doesn't fit right for, you know, like area development agreements. Uh, we have, our franchisees have that one territory that has a tremendous amount of potential in one. we give very large territories. And so tremendous amount of potential in that one territory. And then we have some owners that then purchase a second territory. But even that, we don't just sell the second territory unless... They have really grown that first one and they're in a really healthy place for a second. And even at that, we make them show us a business plan to say, how are you going to still grow your first one? And have a second one. So you know we're just not interested in numbers for numbers' sake. In terms of the number of franchise sales, we want to sell to people and in situations where there's really going to be that growth happening.
1: We're at the spot in the interview, Betty, where I always pop the next question to my guests, and that is this: What, if anything, have I failed to ask you that you wished I might have?
2: <laughs> I, I'm I'm not really sure. Uh, Stan, about that question. But I will just add, we recently, we are working with a group in China and a group in India. And it's really not a group group as much as it's people who own a company. But what I love about it is in both of these instances, we are working with people who have such a heart for children that it's not just, we're not just selling to a group in China or in India, it's, we're doing a master agreement, but with passion about it, it's still about this passionate education. And I am so honored that we would be able to go into China with that same passion that we have in the U.S. and the same thing with India. And isn't that lovely, two of the most populated countries in terms of kids, and that we have the honor of partnering with someone who has that same heart for education as we have.
1: No tariffs here either, right, Betty? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Any upcoming shows or expos that you're going to be participating in that that those in the audience might be attending and, and want to look you up?
2: No, we're gonna kinda we're of staying close to home this year. Um, but please look us up on the internet and we have the loveliest Um, franchise sales team where it's, you know, no pressure. No, we don't want, I don't want to talk anybody into doing something that's not a good fit for them and for, for us. So we have a great franchise team led by Kim Swanson, who really helps people walk through the journey and find out if it's a match. So that's important for us. We're no, no arm twisting here.
1: And tell the audience how they would get in touch with either you and or Kim to learn more
2: com will lead you to our franchise site. We have youngrembrands.com is our customer site, but then com will lead you to that site. And you'll there's direct links on there to get us time with Kim and to fill out a little mini profile and find out a lot more about the franchise
1: opportunity. Betty, this has been a great, great time together. I really am happy that we got a chance to finally do this. And yes and I wish you and the team all the best on a go forward basis. It's been a real delight having you here on franchise today.
2: Thank you very much Stan and I really appreciate that you really honor people wherever their organization is and whatever all these different types of organizations and I appreciate that you really see each organization for who it is and that you really honor that in the founders or the people that you're speaking to. So thank you. Well,
1: thank you again, and I appreciate that. Just a reminder to the audience that we're fast approaching the starting line for a fast-paced fall calendar. September will kick off with the IFA Franchise Action Network September 9th through 11th in Washington, D.C., Franchise Expo Midwest in Rosemont, Illinois, on the 13th and 14th. Franchise Springboard for emerging brands on the 18th through the 20th in Philly. And the month wraps up with the IFA Franchise Ops and Development Conference in New Orleans, September 25th through the 27th. Please remember to subscribe to Franchise Today at Block Talk Radio and that you can download us from iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, or virtually any place that podcasts are found. Remember too, you can ask Alexa to play the latest episode of Franchise Today and she'll do it. Remember too, to like us on Facebook. And until next week, I'm Stan Friedman, wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising and Franchise Today is out.